you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Howdy and welcome back to Prairie Justice. This is episode 35 and episode 3 of our part 7 coverage of Leading Comics number 4, our Megasode as I've taken to calling it. And on this episode we are going to see the Shining Knight going up against Fingers, the man with the super touch. Our second... uh, fight against the the agents of the sixth sense or the sense master and his hyper hyper touch hyperactive i guess uh agents who are going to collect uh gems from some unsuspecting souls and the seven soldiers are out to stop them and this episode sir justin the shining knight that time-tossed paladin of King Arthur's court has taken on the uh, the task and we saw Sir Justin in action in the opening introduction and um, now we'll see what else he can do now just for a refresher the Shining Knight is indeed Sir Justin a knight from what we know as the legendary King Arthur's court he first appears in Adventure Comics number 66, July 1941. Uh, that's on sale date. The cover date was, I believe, uh, September 1941. And as I said, he uh, comes from the days of yore. Uh, Uther Pendragon, Merlin, Sir Lancelot, all of that. Uh, fictional Knight of the Round Table. Uh, uh, created by Craig Flessel, an amazing artist who seemed to have a uh, a bit of a writing bent as well. Uh, his scripts are nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Sir Justin is uh, given a does a solid to Merlin, who uh, in return uh, provides him with a magical based golden yet lightweight suit of armor, chainmail as it were, an indestructible sword, and uh, he turns his horse victory into a pegasus, and he is now known as winged victory. So uh, with these uh, tools, Sir Justin heads off into battle and uh, accidentally brings down a glacier upon himself. And doesn't come out of that uh, glacier until around 1941. So I was just kind of wondering if the uh, Stan and Jack and were thinking about that when they brought Captain America back in 1964. It's okay, it's a good plot device. 
Uh, Sir Justin is rescued by a historian and uh, museum professor by mo name of Moresby, who is actually referenced in this story that we're going to hear, but uh, his name Moresby is not referenced. And uh, he works at a museum and uh, takes goes by the name of Justin Arthur and works as a maintenance man at the museum. So when he's not sweeping the floor, he's up on Winged Victory and uh, having adventures in Adventure Comics, which he would have up until around 1952, I want to say. And in those later years, his mantle was taken up um, art-wise by the great Frank Frazetta, no less, uh, who put him back into the Arthurian days. And I just wanted to mention that... Uh, being in Adventure Comics was a very good place for Sir Justin because it was a bit of a crowded hour in that anthology comic. No less than three Justice Society members were appearing at one time. The original Ted Knight Starman, the Wesley Dodd Sandman, who by that point was appearing with Sandy Hawkins, his sidekick nephew as it were, and done by the immortal Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And he was also with Our Man, no longer a JSA member, but still a popular character. And we also had the feature of Paul Kirk Manhunter, which would also be taken over by Simon and Kirby as Manhunter. And of course, that blue-faced Manhunter legend is something that would uh, become uh, an integral part of DC history, especially to the Green Lantern Corps. Sir Justin, to my knowledge, is still within DC continuity and he has appeared uh, in the Stargirl series both in the 1990s and in the, late, uh, the latest revival um, as, as early as last year, uh, last year being 2021, along with uh, other members of the Seven Soldiers such as Vigilante and... Uh, I believe Stripes he as as Stripe and Stargirl herself. Not to mention Green Arrow and Speedy in whatever form they are this week. He also was a character in other media, appearing on Justice League Unlimited, along with other soldiers, specifically Vigilante himself, and, and we'll get to those episodes at some point in time. And if I don't, I believe... Uh, Chris and Cindy at Justice League cast will certainly get to it ahead of me. Sir Justin also appeared in season one of that fabulous Stargirl series, a three-season uh, series that unfortunately has just completed, but uh, that just means that it'll be on streaming pretty quick and likely out on DVD sets. So you can look forward to uh, a live-action Sir Justin the Shining Knight in... Uh, season one of that series also worth noting for all-star squadron fans that uh, sir justin was a primal member of the squadron and he served uh in roy thomas's retellings as the uh, bodyguard and uh, main agent for sir winston churchill to his native britain in its hour of need so let's return now to those days of yore of of fall of 1942 as Sir Justin gets to see when Don Quixote rides again.
Shining Night, Chapter 3. Two men meet in metal combat in a battle of brains and brawn. The first came 1,500 years to champion chivalry in the America of today. You heard of him. He's the Shining Knight, and his opponent is a modern-day Merlin, a man whose brain is in his fingertips. But a third character draws his sword in this struggle. A strange fellow who gives title to this vigorous adventure when... Don Quixote rides again. This is the 20th century, and yet here are armored knights and jousting. What goes on? The answer. These are toy fighting dolls. Mechanical mannequins, perfect in detail and movements. Go to it, Sir Humphrey, go to it. Say, the sword is 300 years out of period. Uh, I'd better check on it. You've all heard of Don Quixote, the sorry hero of storybook land. An old man whose ambition was to become a knight. But this is Don Cody, retired explorer who thinks himself the spirit of Don Quixote. Sancho, come hither. Bear forth my harness. Tis tourney time. Coming, sir. Notice he even calls his servant Sancho. He insists on calling me Sancho after Don Quixote's servant. As if he didn't know that my name is John Wilkins. Well, he thinks he's Don Quixote. Let's humor him. And so, Don Quixote thunders down upon his enemy. Havate, gallop, my noble steed, Rosinante. Later, as he browses among his books, his mind wandering in forgotten ages... Suddenly, Don Quixote's servant Sancho entered the room bearing news. The newspaper, sir. Yes, Sancho, what is it? Read it. Headline says Merlin has come to town. No, oh, this is something I must see. A modern-day Merlin. That night at the Hippodrome, Merlin performs as skillfully as the magician of centuries ago. Wonderful, wonderful, it's simply wonderful. I must meet this fellow. And after the show... Congratulations, sir. How I wish I could meet more people interested in the days of old. Why not give a party, Mr. Cody? Invite friends to come as their favorite character from nightly times. Sir, tis an excellent idea. I'll give a banquet, and my friends will come in chivalrous costume. And I'd be glad to perform, sir. Maybe I can show you some new tricks. But minutes after Don Cody leaves... It worked, just like the Sixth Sense said it would. We're in. The job's as good as done now. Say, look at this tie, fingers. Real silk. You may think it's silk, but it isn't. My fingers are never wrong. Holy smoke, I've been robbed. 
A week passes. Don Cody sends out hundreds of invitations and the scene is set for a banquet so sumptuous that it outshines the festivities of Camelot. Hello, Don. Uh, this is a swell stunt. I think I like the party. <laughs> Welcome, King Arthur. Welcome. Oh, Merlin, come in and what have you in those mysterious cases? Tricks, Mr. Cody. Tricks. You're in for some surprises tonight. Then, a fanfare of trumpets and an uninvited, unexpected guest walks into the room. Sir Justin, the Shining Knight. Gasps of amazement greet the entrance of this man who seems a living replica of the Shining Knight. Well, he looks just like the picture I've seen of the Shining Knight. Clever costume, he wins for this prize. Sancho, fetch refreshments for the Shining Knight. Very good, sir. Fake Shining Knight. Why, he'd probably faint if he got into a real fight. After the banquet comes the evening's climax. Merlin's exhibition of magic. And now I want to show you a real trick. Watch closely. The trick? Let him have it, boys. <coughs> but even as choking fumes sear his lungs, his lightning-quick brain is at work. For the last arrival is the real Shining Knight. I'll outwit these violets yet. <coughs> I am glad the professor taught me scientific protection from gas. Cleverly, he soaks his handkerchief with water from the bowl and lets it filter the poison-clogged air. But precious seconds have passed, and Merlin's fingers work fast. Come on, Fatty, where's the safe? There, behind that, that, that picture. Deftly, expertly, with a super touch that thinks, fingers lightly explores the paneling of the wall. And my super touch fingers can feel the clicks. Ah, left, right. Yeah, that's the baby. Now for the combination. And moments later, the safe clicks open to reveal a giant topaz that blazes like a miniature sun. Why, oh boy, just look at that, Joel. Well, the boss be pleased when, hey! Enter the Shining Knight. I see, I must teach you in fisticuffs, sirrah. But as he falls, his arm nudges a certain switch. A switch that charges with electric life the mechanical fighters of Donald Cody. And the Shining Knight leads a regiment of knightly mites into battle with modern-day thugs. By my Helenum, but these little metal men are naughty allies. Oh! Get me out of here! It is an incredible scene as grown men with guns are routed by warlike toys. Ouch! These little gadgets are killing me! Hey! Ow! Oh! I'm getting out of here! Ouch! Ouch! But one night, 
is not a mite and strikes with the grown man's powers. Zounds! But your chin is an easy target for a fist. And your head's natural for a bullet. Aha, but first your gun must be able to shoot. Suddenly, the knight snaps rigidly upright as electricity crackles through his metal-sheathed frame. Unwittingly, his sword has cut through charged wires, causing a short circuit. He's finished. I've got the topaz. Now let's scram to the hideout. Minutes pass, and then... Luckily, I fell near an open window. The gas did not take full effect on me. Oh, oh the shining knight. They, they've stolen my topaz and killed him. <laughs> There's winged victory. Circling around the old windmill, it's a signal. The intelligent steed has trailed the bandits to their hiding place. My guests are still unconscious, so it is up to me alone to avenge the shining knight and carry on his knightly heritage. Recklessly, the old man flings all caution to the winds and leaps astride his bony battle steed. Our hour has come, brave Rosinante. Tonight we fight in chivalry's cause as deputies of the fallen Shining Knights. Almost it seems that the living Don Quixote had leapt from the pages of a storybook as Don Cody thunders forward into battle. Yikes! But in the windmill. It's the old goof. Let's drill daylight through him. gets into range, we'll cut him down. And at that very instant, a still figure stirs and wakes into life. Oh, what? Yes, the man-made lightning knocked me senseless. Tis a miracle I'm yet alive. Ah, winged victory sees me and approaches. Wait, I see Don Cody. In danger, for a moonlight glints on a gun barrel. How can I warn or help him at this distance? Even now, murderous eyes squint down a gun sight. A trigger finger tightens. Uh, I can't see. Twas but moonlight glinting from his shiny blade that disabled the gunman. Seconds later, and scared hoodlums hear an angry hammering at their gate. Hear that? The shiny knight's breaking in. We've got to barricade the door. But Fingers is wrong, for the Shining Knight scales the windmill's side. It seems I must turn acrobat. Ah, I see I have not fooled all of them. This blow is less than you deserve, ruffians, but we'll have to do for the knots. Tricksters tricked. The gangsters whirl from their barricaded door. Late. Hey, there he is, behind us. Get him. You will get me, but not the way you think, base knaves. Low cares should be tricked, he thinks. The Shining Knight throws open the barricaded door, and winged victory whinnies in answer. Well, victory, our ruse worked. While thy hooves pounded that door, I made my timely entrance. 
Then Don Cody rushes into the fray and fights as Don Quixote himself had wished he could. Blast you, why don't you fall? I'll tell you a secret. You may be the master of touch, but your bullets cannot touch me. Minutes later, and Fingers' mob is safely trussed up. Come now, speak up. Where is the topaz? You're too late, pal. The topaz is on a carrier pigeon right now, flying to my boss. Worry not about your gem, Mr. Cody, for the address of the villain who receives it is known to me. At last, at last I fought in a knightly quest. But if only I were a real knight, I'd be happy all the rest of my days. And so the Shining Knight fulfills an old man's dream. Then, through the authority vested in me by my liege, King Arthur, I dub thee knight. Rise, Sir Don Cody. Meanwhile, another dream, an evil dream, begins to come true for that arch-criminal, the Sixth Sense. Oh, the carrier pigeon. Then Fingers, the man of super touch, has succeeded. The yellow topaz. The gem and the second of the six steps I shall march up to conquest. Well, the first thing I think I should probably comment on is Shining Knight meeting Don Cody, who is a man who is an enthusiast of... Don Quixote. I'm sure most of us have probably heard of Don Quixote, uh, probably even read the novel or made to read the novel in uh, high school or college literature, as it were. Uh, it's a Spanish novel written by Miguel de Cervantes, and it was actually published in two parts, uh, 1605 and 1615, and is noted as probably the, the first modern novel. Uh, you may have also seen uh, uh, Don Quixote in a musical from the 19, late 1960s, early 70s called Man of La Mancha. Um, Quixote is a member of the low uh, nobility from La Mancha region of Spain. His name is actually Alonso Quijano. But he reads so many romance books that he kind of loses himself and he gets lost in his... Uh, in his books and, and uh, sort of imagines that he lives in the times of the Middle Ages and as a knight himself to serve his nation. Uh, and he even adopts his own little identity called Don Quixote de la Mancha. So there's kind of a superhero overtone going here. And Don Quixote even has a sidekick by the name of Sancho Panza. And that's what we were referring to here in the drama when uh, Don Cody uh, has his valet Wilkins act into the, the Sancho Panza's role and even insists on referring to him as Sancho Panza. And at one point, Sancho Panza even uh, dons a costume reminiscent of The Shining Knight. And this is very interesting too because this is probably the first sidekick that we know of in literature. So Robin, Bucky, Speedy, Sandy Hawkins, uh, Chekhov and Sulu on Star Trek, 
all of you owe a debt of gratitude to Cervantes and this character of Sancho Panza. And I think we all know somebody somewhere along the line, uh, whether well-meaning or not, that gets involved in their stories and gets involved in their hobbies and such that they sort of start to kind of lose touch with the real world and uh, are kind of lost in there, of course. And uh, Don Cody, um, with his uh, similar name to Don Quixote, is uh, pretty much... Uh, that figure he's a harmless man he means well but uh, he's pretty much lost in the times of the uh, of his hero so you know what folks enjoy your books enjoy your novels enjoy your movies but TV shows but get out there and have some fresh air now and then just it'll do our world of good for you and you won't end up being like Don Cody, a uh, sort of victim, uh, collecting things that people want. Don Cody himself is an interesting character. He looks a lot like Uncle Sam, if you're familiar with that Quality Comics character, who also shows up in All-Star Squadron a lot. And just to, uh, to mix Don Cody up, Fingers, the villain, dresses up like Merlin, because he knows that Don Cody can't resist showing up uh, to a performance of a magician who is actually of course fingers using his hyper senses to effect some trips tricks and it doesn't hurt that uh, Don Cody throws out a masquerade ball and of course these, these uh, the fingers gang is going to show up and who also is going to show up um, seemingly masquerading himself as himself is Sir Justin and as I said uh, Sancho Panza I mean Wilkins is also in a variation of the Shining Knight costume as well even though that uh, I kind of like Wilkins he's sort of the uh, wisecracking aide-de-camp or butler to Cody and uh, can't help but making a, a wry remark every now and then very good, sir. Fake Shining Knight. Well, he'd probably faint if he got into a real fight. This is sort of how we see the Alfred of the uh, uh, the the Batman the Animated Series or uh, uh, the butler whose name escapes me in the movie Arthur, uh, the, the, ma the, uh, the manservant to Dudley Moore's character. Uh, Fingers' gang took, takes on uh, very interesting uh, guises here. Uh, they're wearing tuxedos, uh, gas masks, because those are using tear gas. Tear gas comes up a lot in this uh, leading comics uh, uh, episode, megasode as it were. And they're, the gas masks are also topped off by a top hat very tall silk black top hats and the combination of the gas masks and the top hats kind of looks makes it look like those plague doctor situations and it's sort of interesting how the shining knight and the fingers mob have their last uh, showdown in amongst Don Quixote's own private little battlefield of uh, tiny little mechanical knights on horses 
Uh, you know, <laughs> God, Don Quixote would just love today with radio-controlled things. And he's even got the own windmill, which is a, a factor in the Don Quixote novels themselves. So if I get Don Cody and Don Quixote mixed up here, it's uh, with good reason. Works out well. Um, the Shining Knight manages to uh, waylay uh, fingers while dressed as Merlin, who of course the Shining Knight knew personally back in the day. It's worth noting that this is the second time in a Seven Soldiers story that Sir Justin has encountered a Merlin imposter. Now we've spoken of uh, things before, Fingers of course being a Master Yeg or safe cracker, manages to get the jewel out of the safe and along with more of the uh, contingency plans of the Sense Master while he's even getting his jaw cracked by Sir Justin, a carrier pigeon has taken away the gem and is going back to home base. So this is very, uh, I, I really love this, these parts of the ending of these stories where we see the various twists that are going to happen. Uh, speaking of twists, you may be familiar with the concept of Chekhov's gun and know it has nothing to do with Star Trek favors phasers it's the uh the concept that in a story uh as anton Chekhov, the playwright always said if a gun appears in a, one act of a play it must go off at other some other point in the story and that's sort of a a very a, a storytelling device that basically all good scripters, whether it's movies, television, novels, or whatever, or comic books, will see something that will show up later, and it pays off. Um, here we have Chekhov's cook. And uh, this is a character that Wilkins interacts with a bit. And I believe we're going to see this cook again later on. He doesn't have much to do in this story, only really shows up and has one word balloon that uh, for some instance that uh, some character doing this podcast has decided to voice him in the voice of Corinthian uh, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. My own little piccolillo there. I've been, I've been doing Pierre Trudeau imitations since I was in school. You know, the smartest man in Canada. So, how does Roy Thomas handle this in All-Star Squadron? Well, with a single page, page 11 of the uh, All-Star Squadron 56. Actually, doesn't start until the masquerade party when Don Cody uh, welcomes everybody, including Sir Justin the Shining Knight, who has his helmet a bit... Uh, a Kimbo or a skew in his head, and I have to say, it looks like he's been into Merlin's herbs a little bit. He, his eyes just, he looks a little bit glossy-eyed. He's, the man's stoned. And speaking of stones, we shoot past the Battle Royale, where Fingers puts his hands on the topaz in the safe, and we get to see yet another sock in the jaw to Merlin from the Shining Knight. And the carrier pigeon takes off and takes the jewel 
to the robot of the Sense Master. And that's it. Doesn't add much to the story here. Other than Mike Clark's work. Which is really exceptional. So, I have nothing more intelligent to say about The Shining Knights 4A. So, I think I'm going to close it off right here. And we'll see you again here in a few days on Prairie Justice. When the Star Spangled Kid and the Stripesy will take on their operative of the sixth sense. And boy, is that story going to stink. That should tell you who they're going to come up against and what sense they're going to pull off. So, uh, before I start to stink myself out here, I'm just going to touch the keyboard and bid you all farewell. Bye. <laughs>